I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. There's an old saying that I picked up. 30-some years ago as a young reporter covering the Detroit Police Department. And the saying is, the world is a self-cleaning oven. Now, you may ask what that means. Well, it came from a grizzled Detroit Police homicide lieutenant with whom I got to be friends over the years. He was very good to me with information. And in those days, you know, as a reporter who covered law enforcement, you actually had an office in the police headquarters, in this case, 1300 Bobian, right downtown. And he'd sit around and have coffee and chit chat and smoke a cigarette with the detectives. And, and I asked this lieutenant, I said, you must be frustrated because there was a guy who was being prosecuted for a homicide, a drug killing. And he was found not guilty in spite of overwhelming evidence that he committed this crime. And I said, that's really got to upset you, lieutenant. He said, eh, the world's a self-cleaning oven. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, the shit gets burned off the walls and swept away. He may not have gotten convicted of this murder, but I know he committed, and I know why he committed it. But sooner or later, karma will catch up. Within a month of that conversation, sure enough, the executioner was found executed himself, shot in the head in a Detroit alleyway. The world, in fact, was a self-cleaning oven. I've used that saying many times over the years and explained that very same story. When it appears somebody you know is guilty has initially gotten away with the crime. Such is the case with Randall Wolford, who was a predator I caught in Murphy, Texas, in 2006. Wolford, we'll call him Randy, was 52 years old. He was an oil drilling consultant in Texas. He was chatting online with a perverted justice decoy 
posing as 13-year-old Sequoia, a girl. He chatted with Sequoia for, well, a day or so before the chat turned dirty. Now, there's a whole backstory to the Murphy, Texas investigation. You probably know it. Murphy was, well, to say the least, controversial. It was our ninth investigation out of the series. And Perverted Justice had worked with Murphy Police Department and its chief, Billy Myrick, a time or two before, doing a sting. And Murphy was a bedroom community outside of Dallas, very professionally run, for the most part, police department. And there was an incident there where a parent reported a child missing. And it turned out the child had been with an adult. There was a sexual relationship and the child got pregnant. And this upset the community, ended up upset the chief. Statutory rape. And so he wanted to send a message to the community. The city manager signed off on it. But the district attorney had misgivings. The district attorney at the time did not take kindly to outsiders coming into his community. Outsiders meaning perverted justice, Deadline NBC, and Chris Hansen coming into his community to make a TV show. Thought it should only be law enforcement in spite of the fact that in every other jurisdiction where we did an investigation, we raised awareness and created a dialogue that didn't exist before. So we knew going in that this may be a touchy situation. The DA told the police department that it was not going to participate officially. In other words, in many cases where we do a predator investigation, a member of the prosecutor's office is on site. And that's good because ultimately you want these cases prosecuted. So you want an assistant prosecutor there consulting and aware of what's going on to make sure everything's done in a way that results in a successful prosecution and conviction. But in this case, the prosecutor declined to participate, the DA, the elected prosecutor in this area of tenants. The prosecutor did say, however, that if prosecutable cases were brought into the DA's office, he would take a look and pursue any cases that crossed that threshold. So we went on to do the investigation. Now, this, of course, is the investigation where on the first day, we had some neighborhood protesters who thought we were bringing predators into their home. This has happened nowhere else. First of all, we keep these investigations pretty close to the vest. So by the time it's over, that's when neighbors and people who live nearby figure it out. And in the vast majority of cases, they applaud what we do. They know the police take precautions. They know the neighborhood is safe. They know there's not going to be a running gun battle down their street. And we make sure of that. The police make sure. And in most cases, the neighbors come over and take pictures inside the predator house. As I said, they applaud. But in this case, we had the protest and that all went away. And there was a hubbub at the city council afterwards because city council members were not told about the investigation. Well, of course, they can't be told about the investigation. Word gets out. It would compromise the investigation. Anyway, common sense as that may be, that left some people of Murphy, Texas. To compound the controversy, one of the people who surfaced in the investigation was a, an assistant district attorney from a neighboring county, Lewis Conrad. 
he's the one who was caught chatting up a decoy posing as a 13-year-old boy. Conrad never showed up at the house. Went by Bill Conrad. But police did go to arrest him, and sadly, he took his own life. Later, we found out it was because, likely, he had child pornography on his computer, and he knew as a prosecutor that he faced 10 years per image in prison. The Lewis Conrad case is a episode or two onto its own, and we'll do that at some point here on this podcast. But anyway, back to Randy Wolford. So Randy has this chat with Sequoia, and it goes on for about a day before it turns graphically sexual. And let me give you a sense of that conversation. At first, in the online conversation, Randy, who goes by the screen name It New To Me, says he wants to take the girl out for lunch and maybe go to a movie. And then the chat turns overtly sexual. He talks about kissing and performing oral sex on the girl, saying, I want to let you enjoy me as much as I would you. I want to give you oral and feel the sensation of your orgasms. Less than two hours after that chat, Randy shows up at our sting house in Murphy, Texas. He drives up in his pickup truck and he walks up the front sidewalk. The on-site decoy meets him at the front door. He's very comfortable. Says, hey girl, comes on in. Inside the house, it's a very nice house in the suburb there, Murphy. There's a pool table in the living room and a bar set up and he walks right in and he makes himself a soft drink. Put some ice in a plastic cup, pours the cola in there and he's having a sip and the discussion begins. The onside decoy asks him, did you ever do it on a pool table? And he doesn't even blink. He doesn't act nervous. He acts very comfortable actually and says, well, once a long time ago, but that's about the best thing that I've ever done on a pool table. The beginning of this audio of his conversation is a little low, but if you listen carefully, you can hear it. Do you ever do it on the pool table? Uh, yeah, once. Really? That a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah? Yeah. That's about the only thing I'm any good at on the pool table. <laughs> he also asks about where the girl's mom is. She said that she's traveling for work. The decoy explains that she works with computers and that she's in Austin. Now remember his question about the mom later because it'll play into his excuse once I come out. So where's your mom work? Oh, uh, she works with computers in Austin, so she does away on business a lot. Nice, nice. Yeah, thanks. It's then that I sense it's time for me to come out and confront Randall Wolfer. I said, why don't you make yourself at home? Have a seat. He looks at me and doesn't even pause. Says, hey, how you doing? Asks my name. I say, I'm Chris. Now, he doesn't know, or at least I don't think he knows at the time that I'm Chris Hansen. I remember this is our ninth investigation, so people know about to catch a predator. But he doesn't seem to pick up on that just yet. He's not sure whether I'm the cop, the dad, the neighbor. And so we start into our conversation. And he immediately claims that he wasn't going to do anything. And I was fully intending on sitting right here until her mother that one. Online, 
Wolford told the girl he was 46. And he tells me he's 49. He's really 52. Now, I can't imagine why he thought that would make his situation any better to online say that he was one age, then 49 to me when I knew he was 52. It's all illegal. It doesn't even make any sense. I don't know why people do that. But over and over again, predators do. He's sitting at the bar eating candy. We had some out in a dish. And when I press him, he uses an excuse we've heard before, that he was just going to essentially be a good Samaritan and keep an eye on the girl till her mother got home. Listen to this. I was going to explain to her mother how I come to be here. And how are you going to explain that to the mother? By telling her about the chat. You're going to say hi. I was cruising a chat room. I started uh, talking to your daughter. I asked her if she ever masturbated. I asked her I if, if exactly I could have sex with her. About it. It's clear that I'm not buying his story about just keeping an eye out on the girl and that he was testing her with this sexually charged chat that he was going to explain to the mother. And I ask him, as I often do with predators, if he's got a child. He says, yes, he's got a daughter, 26. Now, you know, if you're a guy in a house trying to meet a 13-year-old girl and you have a daughter of your own, what does that say? Here's what he said. A 26-year-old daughter. 26-year-old daughter. Now, back when she was 13, if a 49-year-old came calling, would you be okay with that? No, sure. So why is it okay for you to come here? Well, it is. And then I confront him with some specific language in his chat about wanting to taste a 13-year-old girl. I would love to taste you, Sequoia. Show you how good it feels to have a man down on you. Yes, sir, I did say that. No denying it. I would enjoy that very much. And the other thing that doesn't make sense about the Good Samaritan story is, well, in his own words, what he said when he walked in the door before I came out to confront him. He talks about, you know, once having sex on the pool table. Now he's in a corner for a lot of different reasons, and he's scrambling. So what does he do? He invokes God and his religious beliefs. This story just does not add Well, Chris, whether it adds up or not, God is my savior, that is the truth. Finally, when I press him about his religious beliefs, he does admit that he screwed up big time. You religious man? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a faithful man. Yes, sir. Does your faith involve visiting 13-year-old girls or home alone? No, sir. It does not. And I really screwed up big time. Then it's time for me to tell him who I really am. And you've heard this line before. I'm Chris Hansen. And we're doing a story on adults who try to meet kids online for sex. Now, because he's apparently not familiar with how the show works, he gets up, still has his drink in his hand, his cola in the cup, and walks out the door like, you know, it's over. He's done. But he's not done because the Murphy police are waiting for him. And they arrest him without incident. He doesn't put up a struggle. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. More about this predator I've caught in a moment.
Randy Wolford is taken to police headquarters. He is booked. And then he's taken into an interrogation room with two experienced detectives where he's going to be interviewed again. And these detectives already know pretty much everything that was in the conversation between Randy and and me. They also have been able to do some background on Randy. They found out, for instance, that he owns 14 guns. He had some ammo in his truck. Now, he didn't have any guns in his truck, and there was no suggestion that he was going to use any of the guns in any violent way, but he was a gun owner. And that's one of the challenges, you know, we face when we do these predator investigations. We don't know. We take precautions, but we don't know if they're carrying. And so security has to be adjusted when we know that the person has a license to carry or own a gun. Now, in the interrogation room, he acts like he and I are old pals. He says, just like I told Chris from Dateline, I just was going to protect the girl and explain to her mother that she was doing dangerous things. Well, the detectives don't buy that for one second. And just as I told Chris uh, with Dateline, my intention was to sit right there and wait until her mother come home. Ultimately, the detectives get what is, without question, a confession. And you can hear it. We have the, the audio right here. Take a listen. I truly don't know why I was so stupid. All the way down here, I, I was telling myself, yeah, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't right. And oh, it's definitely not right. Somebody your age... Going over to a 13-year-old yes. girl's house to yes, have sex. It's pretty low. And you were chatting with her and talking about sexual things. Like at one time you talked about wanting to hold her clothes and you'd like to feel her have an orgasm. Yes, sir. Is that true? Yes, sir, I did. At the time you were doing that chat, didn't you intend to have sex with the girl? I guess you could say I did, yes, sir. Okay. And remember that, you know, Randy at this point has been read his Miranda rights. He knows what he's saying is on the record with the police detectives. And he comes out and says, I'm guilty. This is wrong. I did it. And I'm guilty. You can't get a better confession than that. It's all there on tape. I'm guilty as charged. I, I have to ex- accept my punishment. I have to accept my punishment. Ultimately, Randy gets out on bail, and because of the controversy, because the DA's office doesn't want to get involved in these cases, he is never prosecuted. In spite of the online chat, in spite of his intentions, in spite of everything he did and a pretty clear-cut confession, Randy walks. Now, this did not sit well with Reverted Justice, obviously. It did not sit well with the Murphy Police Department. And I had a discussion with the DA at the time. And it revolved around the threshold for prosecution. And it was clear once Conrad committed suicide that he didn't want to go anywhere near any of these cases. They were offended that outsiders came in. They were offended that one of their own had taken his own life in spite of the fact that everybody knew he had broken the law. 
and they weren't going to prosecute this case. But that was not the end of Randy Wolford's contact with the law. Nope. And that is why this is one of those, the world is a self-cleaning oven stories. 18 months, 18 months after Randy shows up in our investigation, he is caught again in a sting operation in a neighboring community by the police trying to solicit a 13-year-old girl, a decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl online 18 months later. Now, you think if you're Randy Wolfer, right, and you've got a job, you've got a daughter, he was divorced after this Murphy investigation, that you'd just say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to stay out of trouble. I'm going to go see a counselor or a therapist. But no, this is the mindset of a predator, at least this predator. He goes back out there and chats with a 13-year-old girl. After this sexually charged chat with the local police detective posing as a 13-year-old girl, Wolford shows up at a McDonald's to meet this girl. And he's arrested. Now, it was a very sexually explicit conversation. He is very cautious, wants to make sure the girl is real, wants to make sure she's game for sex. But here's the thing. Wolford has gotten worse. More careful, but worse. In that, he actually sends pornographic pictures of himself to this other decoy. Now, again, this is 18 months after he's arrested in the Murphy State. And I'm looking at the government's exhibit list in that case, because now he's being prosecuted under federal law by the U.S. Attorney's Office. And on the list are websites specifically geared towards sex with children, screen capture of defendant's penis, one, two, three, four, five, five pictures of Randy's penis he sends to a girl who he thinks is 13. He also has in his possession videos of him having sex with another underage girl. He has child porn. And he has conversations indicating he has done this on at least two or three other occasions. So this guy did not learn, Randy. So he goes to trial in federal court in front of a jury. The defense lawyer argues that this was just role playing in a chat room. And you guys know how chat rooms work. And that everybody pretends to be younger because people get off on it. Well, guess what? The jury didn't buy it. Wolford was convicted. And I have the release from the U.S. Attorney's Office. And they made a big deal out of this because a lot of people were very upset that guys like this weren't prosecuted in Murphy. And Wolford's not the only one who dodged a bullet there and went on to get prosecuted. And we'll get into that in future episodes here. In fact, this was such a big deal to the U.S. Attorney's Office at the time. And this conviction happened in uh, April of 2009. 
that they issued a press release. Randall Howard Wolford of Midlothian, Texas, was sentenced today by U.S. District Judge John McBride to 292 months in prison. That's like 24 years, 23 and a half years. That was announced by acting U.S. Attorney James T. Jacks at the time, Northern District of Texas. A federal jury convicted Wolford, who was then 55, on one count of incitement of a child. Wolford has been in custody since September 2008, when he was charged in a federal complaint. He was indicted by a grand jury in Fort Worth the following month. In March 2008, an officer with the Sampson Park Police Department, that's where he got busted the second time, working in an undercover capacity and posing as a 13-year-old female named Jennifer, and he goes on to talk about how the decoy was in the chat room, the detective. And according to the release, Wolford continued to chat using instant messaging with the undercover officer only when the officer assured him that he had chatted online with other men before and had received sexually graphic photos from these men. The undercover officer repeatedly denied being law enforcement or working for perverted justice as Wolford accused. So in the conversation with this undercover detective from Samson Park, Wolford is actually talking about the other investigation, the one in which he was caught with perverted justice. And it was only when the undercover detective posing as a 13-year-old girl assured him, sent him pictures, they had pictures of a young girl that they used, that he agreed to meet. Wolford sent a webcam video of himself masturbating. And then they scheduled this meeting at the McDonald's where he was arrested. That particular investigation was brought as a part of a major effort to combat sex predators in Texas. Wolford remains in prison and is not due to be released until he's about 85 years old. He's got another six, seven years to go if he survives that long. One can only hope that at 85, when he's released, he didn't get any chance for parole in his sentence, that he will either be too old to prey on children or will have somehow learned his lesson. But it really goes to the heart of what happened in Murphy. And It is offensive to me and to a lot of people that because of small town politics, some of these cases weren't prosecuted. But as I said in the beginning, the good news for law enforcement, for dedicated prosecutors, and for enterprise and investigative reporters like myself, the world is a self-cleaning oven. As you know, I like to hear from you, all of you listeners, and you've been great about sending in your audio question, which I love. We all love. And this week's question is from Buffalo, New York, Chris Muscarelli. Just want to say I'm a huge fan of the To Catch a Predator series and especially enjoy the podcast that you're currently doing. Um, I just got a question about one predator in particular, and that's Lauren Cod Armstrong. I'd previously read his chat log before, 
And I find that really disturbing how he was so forthful and demanding with her. Um, I just want to know what your thoughts are on him and how you felt when you were talking to him face to face. I mean, just the, the interaction alone, you know, it just had to have been disturbing. But I have to say, and I have to thank you, and I'm sure everybody else would agree, we appreciate you making him start in the uh, Church of Cod because it is very enjoyable to watch it on YouTube. Oh, my God. Thank you for that, Chris. You know, it's no surprise Lauren Armstrong is a very popular predator. He was arrested after he surfaced in our Kentucky sting 14 years ago this month, October. And people really want to hear from and about Lauren Armstrong. And I'm going to dedicate a couple different podcasts to Lauren. You should know this as we approach the 14th anniversary of what some people call Lauren Armstrong's birthday and the birth of the Church of Cod. If you don't know, Cod is C-A-W-D. That's why he says, oh my God, when he was arrested. His transcript was about as thick as a phone book, by the way, and very graphic. And we'll get into that in a future podcast, as I said. But I've actually been back and forth with Lauren via email, and I'm trying to get him to sit down for an interview. Now, I'm going to tell you this right here, that he's attached certain requests, demands to a potential interview that I'm not willing to meet at this moment. But our discussions continue, and I will keep you posted, because I would like to have Lauren take a seat again for me and be a guest here. We'll keep posted. This has been Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Cameo. We're on Patreon now. Chris Hansen has a seat. And if you want to reach me for any reason, do so at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.